You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hi everyone, welcome to Showreel 3CR's focus on film and Australian moving image productions and people. I have a chat I had with filmmaker Philippa Bateman, director of the documentary Wash My Soul in the River's Flow, which follows the life of Ruby Hunter and Archie Roach as they collaborate with Paul Grabowski and the 22-piece Australian Art Orchestra during the 2004 Kura Tunga Songs from the River concert. But the film, which has appeared something like 17 years later, is about so much more than that concert. But before we move to centre stage, just to let you know about a special free screening at Fed Square tonight on Thursday, March the 17th, if you are listening on Showreel's regular airing, National Close the Gap Day. The launch of Take Heart, Deadly Heart, sequel to Take Heart, the quest to rid Australasia for rheumatic heart disease, which came out in 2016. Both films spotlight a health crisis that has been eliminated in all other developed countries but continues to burden those most vulnerable in Australia. I will put a link on the podcast for other upcoming public screenings of Take Heart, Deadly Heart. Now to Wash My Soul in the River's Flow. Wash My Soul in the River's Flow is a beautiful and very emotional film. Uh, How did you get involved in making it? In 2004, I was running a production company and my friend Patrick Nolan, who was the concert director who you see in the film, um, approached me and said, look, I'm working on a very special project and I think we should document it and would you be interested in filming it? Um, And that's how I got involved. And at the time, back in 2004, we were going to make a documentary, which was a very different documentary, which is what has ultimately been made because we were going to follow them on tour and into the communities, but that didn't really happen. There was another... There were two other shows. One was in Adelaide and the other one was in, um, after it opened at Melbourne International Arts Festival. Um, and and we're talking Hall. about Ruby Hunter and Archie Roach. Roach collaboration yeah. with Paul Grabowski. Paul Grabowski and the Australian Art Orchestra. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, that, that's how I got involved. And the, the footage sat in my closet for about 17 years. So it was... It, I always intended to make the film, but it took it took a while. And of course, you know, people go off and do different things, and 
things happen and films are difficult to finance. And But finally in 2020, it all came together, <laughs> which was very exciting. And it obviously, as you said, it's a different kind of film because the previous film would have been documenting a, a, a musical collaboration effectively. But now it's really a tribute, isn't it? It is. Look, it's a different, it's a very different style of documentary in the sense that, I mean, look, we hadn't really thought it through when we filmed it. We just thought at the time it was important to document. But you're right, it would have been a more of a sort of, it would have been more about the collaboration between First Nations artists and non-Indigenous artists. Um, And of course, at the time that the concert was put on and created, the federal government hadn't apologize to stolen generations so it had a different you know it had a different context it had a different social context um in you know all these years later i think it's it is a tribute but what it really is it's a love story and it's a love story that's about the love story between archie and ruby um the love story that's about music that's shared by Paul Grabowski, the Australian Art Orchestra, and Archie and Ruby. And it's a love story about country. And really what I want to do was to make the film cinematic. And I think that we um, obviously consulted with um, Ruby Hunter's brothers, uh, Eric Richards and Jeff Hunter, her remaining siblings, who took me on to Nurundjeri country. And we filmed this absolutely extraordinary mind-blowing landscape um and it's not it's not sort of insert the country as it's cut together with the footage and the interviews is sort of in flow so that it 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 feels less like a documentary really i mean i tend to think of it as a feature film it's about music but it's a concept film and it's a love story yeah it it, it, that actually gets to the next bit it's actually the making of the film that seems so extraordinary to me i mean it's the content of course because it is a love story but it's the strands that you've brought together and i will well first start there must have been collaboration uh artistically in a sense and emotionally and uh, sensorily with uh, the First Nations actors, surely? Yes. I mean, of course. I mean, it's about them. The film is from their point of view. Um, Archie is a producer on the project, and he's a producer in the sense that he's not a filmmaker, but he is the custodian of his own stories and Ruby Hunter's, because Ruby Hunter passed in 2010. Um, And... Everything we did uh, really was in consultation with Archie with and with Ruby Hunter's family. So in that sense, culturally, it was a, you know, it was a collaboration. Um, I am not an Indigenous filmmaker, so I was, you know, sensitive and very aware that I wasn't and that I had to reach out and have a meaningful collaboration. And I think that's what we had, which is wonderful. Um, and I think that there was another collaboration that exists when you make a film, which is with your creative collaborators, your editors, your cinematographers, um, your producers, um, the amazing sound designer who was Sam Petty. So we worked, you know, I, I had amazing First Nations collaborators and equally amazing creative collaborators. 
Well, it, it is very emotional and it's also very, it's an, a, it's an art piece. I mean, it's a film, it is. but it's, it's an it art is. piece. Well, that's where I come from. <laughs> oh, right. As a direct, yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, tell me about that. Um, look, I spent, you know, 25 years in feature film as a creative executive, um, which meant that I worked very closely on script and, and with directors. Um, but the other thing I did was, you know, I come from a visual arts background and, uh, and I mean, I have a degree in philosophy and I always studied film, but I've also, um, been pretty involved in visual arts, both through friends and through collaboration. So I did actually produce, I produced some screen based, um, media artworks, uh, one of which was called Starry, Starry Night, which was The Vivid uh, by an artist, Brad Miller. And then I did another one in 2018, which was about Juanita Nielsen with an um, artist, Danny Bez, which screened at Acme for three months. Um, now, that was as, as a producer, but I, my main interest in film is, uh, you know, uh, has to do with the artist cinema. So, you know, my sensibility is that. That's kind of what I want to make. And so that's, that's what I think I brought as a director to the project. Yeah, I think so too. I was fascinated by the level of uh, research you must have done in order to be able to incorporate the stunning pieces of text you used. Yeah, well, the text. I came across, was mainly from Archie Roach's memoir, Tell Me Why, which if no one has read, get thee to a bookshop immediately. Um, it's a really, really extraordinary story and it's Archie's memoir. And I was very conscious of the fact working with First Nations artists and not being First Nations myself, that I didn't want to impose words onto their experience. And even though the songs are very much about, and the concert is about spoken word, and they talk about their songs before they sing them, um, and there's short interviews that happen within the songs about the songs and the, and what they mean, um, there were still gaps. And in terms of the narrative, I wanted to create a narrative that was organic, but also was in Archie's and Ruby's words. So I was very economic in the way I think I used those the lines in the text from Archie's book because it's a big book um, and also the lines that I've, I used of Ruby's and that was really about making sure that their voice was still in the text and it was from their point of view. So, yeah. Yeah, the film is con uh, cross-contextual in a sense. Yes, it is. It is. It's multi-layered in the sense that I was aware that I was working with archive. I mean, it was odd to me to call it archive because I just saw it as a continuum in a way. And in fact, what I wanted to do was to bring together that concert. But that concert was also very much about their memories because it was about their past and their present. So I wanted to bring together the idea of past and present and memory and country and what they sang about. I wanted it to be in a sort of single continuum but I was also aware that it's quite difficult to do that and hold an audience's attention and that the multi-layering 
as an approach was also, you know, it. I wanted it to flow, but, you know, we have Super 8, we have 4K HD, we have, um, you know, digital Betacam, which has been, technolo- you know, technologically renovated in a sense to bring it up to, to standard. Um, we've got still photographs. We've got quite experimental images, which is the paint and the ink in the tanks behind intertitles. Um, and I worked with a designer I've worked for for 15 or 20 years on the intertitles. So, you know, all of those things were um, approached with... It was it was textural and it was multi-layered and that seemed to me appropriate creatively. And it's a rhythm. So is that how you, yes. you uh, uh, visualised it or uh, dramatised it? Yes, it was all about flow. <laughs> so it's called Wash My Song the River to Flow and that's the title of one of Archie's songs and it's the last song in the film. And it's almost a gospel-inspired song and it's very upbeat, but it's very spiritual and kind of brings everything together. But it was... Paul Grabowski said something and it's in the film where he talks about how when Archie sings in particular, there is this flow from song to song and it's quite riverine. And I thought that's a good principle in terms of the edit and the rhythm, that it had to flow, that I didn't want to take the audience out of that flow. So it was very much about you draw people in and then you take them on a journey and you deliver them somewhere, but it flows. It's not jerking them out with talking heads and cutting into songs. Like you actually, with each song, it plays out. So we have like the whole songs. We've got 10 whole songs. There were 14 in the concert, but that was too long for the film. And also... The, the concert order of the songs is not the the film's order of songs. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite clear that uh, each of the elements that you use, uh, and it was about focus. That was the bit I was going to get to. Um, you as the filmmaker and the people who were working with you, uh, maintaining focus on so many potential avenues you, you could have gone down. That's really, you know, it's a very, it's very perceptible. <laughs> uh, in the sense that, I mean, what, what happened was, I mean, as with every filmmaker who has footage and is reinventing something, you know, there's a number, if, if the material is rich, and this was very rich, I could have made three or four different films that were very different. I mean, really quite different. And I had to, I mean, I think that's the director's job, really. You decide what, what, what stays and what goes and there was a lot you know it's it's taking things out so that you create a clarity or someone said killing your babies killing your babies yeah and look you know there there are things that still pain me I mean I could have made a whole film about Ruby and her relationship with memory and clothes which I was fascinated by Um, I love clothes and Ruby loves clothes and she talks about you know, there was there was a whole theme and I had to, you know, I had to take it out, really. I mean, there's remnants of it in the film, but which was Ruby talking, describing what she was wearing at key moments in her life. But it just interrupted the, the, the greater story. Um, 
So it's about not getting bogged down in those details. And but the problem is they're great details and they're fascinating. And you know, there's things that there's particular moments in the rehearsal room that I, which was interactions between Paul and Arch and Archie and Ruby and the musicians that were wonderful. And you know, I had great stuff with the musicians talking about what it meant to them to work with Archie and Ruby. But you know. It's a different film, <laughs> so I just had to. I had to be brutal. I mean, and that's. I think that's your job, um, creatively brutal to to produce something that that is satisfying. And the thing is, when you overload, I mean, quite often I see things and I think, oh, that is way overloaded. You, you're sort of jangled by the information. And I, that was the other. I mean, I, I was quite. I mean, funny in a way because I made an old fashioned film in the sense that I made it for the cinema. You know, it's not. It's a film that, when you see it on a small screen, it reads very differently because it's an immersive experience, um, and you're in the dark, and it's the music, and it builds. So, you know, I really hope people get to see it in the cinema because I made it for the cinema. Um, you know, but I'm also aware that, you know, in reality, most people will probably end up seeing it on a television screen. <laughs> Um, I agree with you. Uh, I finished the film. It is a build, and I finished the film feeling quite emotional, actually. Yeah, 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 it does. I mean, it's funny because I've seen it, you know, 700 times. But last night we had a screening in Hobart in Tasmania, a special screening uh, event, and I was in the audience and I felt really emotional. But I, I felt emotional because... When it, it was a very good cinema, the sound was great, I was in the dark, the screen was great, and I was able to sort of let go of so many other things and just, um, and actually feel what it was to lose Ruby mm. and what that love story was. And 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 the pain and also i mean i think that that it was one of the reasons i really want to make the film people are very moved by their humanity and their generosity of spirit and it's very moving it's and i think that that's what a lot of people feel emotional about that it's quite rare in this world to see people who've suffered and been denied so much and to make something very be beautiful of their lives and to not have bitterness or any kind of anger, in fact. And that's that's very profound. And yeah. um, like I think that's, yeah, and I think that's why people, you know, people sort of say, I, I, I don't, I mean, I know why I'm emotional, but I don't really know why I'm emotional. And I, I think that has something to do with it. It stirs something deep in us. You're listening to 3CR Showreel and we are in the middle of a chat with filmmaker Philippa Bateman, director of the documentary Wash My Soul in the River's Flow, now screening at cinemas. I, I would actually like you to make a film uh, around all those things to do with Ruby because people remember Archie, but this actually places her where she deserves to be placed. Centre stage, that's right. And, and the reason that Archie really wanted the film made and supported us and got involved as a producer was because he wanted Ruby's legacy recognised and honoured. And we certainly want that. And one of the things that we're doing, I mean, that was also why I asked Emma Donovan to be involved 
because she'd known Ruby and sung with them and and is very articulate about Ruby and her role as a trailblazer for First Nations women um, and particularly musical artists. And we are actually doing a social media campaign that is very driven towards highlighting First Nations women in music with Ruby as the inspiration. That's part of what we're, we're doing you know, with and around the cinema release and after the cinema release. We are also hoping to have a, I mean, it's been, it's been really hard with COVID because so many artists during COVID weren't able to earn a living. And so every great First Nations artist and many other artists are out on the road touring seven days a week. <laughs> so it's incredibly difficult getting people. But one of the things that we're doing in Sydney is a special event screening um, which is the, it's going to be all about First Nations women in music. And that's what, you know, we're hoping to get First Nations women who are musical artists talking at that event and about those ex their experiences with Ruby as the, the focus and the sort of jumping off point too. Because I deal in sound, uh, I was really fascinated between the sequences that were in the uh um, studio and then moving the same song into the soundscape of the of Hamer Hall. I found that really yeah that was really fascinating to me. And then the next thing that was fascinating was the reinterpretation in a sense of the key songs. Uh, yeah, that was really interesting, really upbeat. Yeah. Uh, so to the first point, that was a decision that I made quite early on that I wanted the whole song but I wanted it to move between the rehearsal studio and the stage so it was just finding the entry point in terms of you know what that was but we don't actually cut anything in terms of Archie's and Ruby's words but we do cut the orchestration because I mean some of the songs went on for 10 minutes and a lot of them do go on for a long time. Ruby's songs are always shorter than Archie's. Archie's are much longer, but um, that's just the nature of how he writes and how Ruby wrote. Um, but the other thing that is very kind of relevant is that, you know, I work with a really genius sound designer um, and editor, Sam Petty, who did an extraordinary job with the sound. So Sam and I both agreed we wanted the rehearsal room to sound like a rehearsal room. We didn't want to sort of gloss it over. Um, and the concert sounds like the concert, but in fact, the problem was is that the concert originally had been recorded in mono. And, and at the recording desk, whoever was recording it had not put they turned down Archie's and Ruby's microphones when the instrumentals were going on and in some songs had forgotten to put them up again. <laughs> so so it was very tricky and the thing that was very I mean is amazing is that Sam because I just said to Sam, I said, I, I don't know what we're going to do. You know, we can't put this out with this sound. And he researched and found about six different plugins that have only been invented in the last two years that brought that meant that with his very fine work he couldn't he could make it sound like stereo and almost 
all, it wasn't multi-track. So that's the other thing. You couldn't separate the voices from the instruments. So I guess, look, it's a concert and we got the recording of the concert from the desk. So as filmmakers, we had, I had a brilliant sound person who was my producer and she'd come, Nikki Roller. She'd come from sound and 35 millimeter film. So the, the rehearsals and the interviews were in stereo and great sound, but the concert that was the key sound was terrible. Sam fixed Sam fixed that. He did. He did a brilliant job. That's amazing. Oh, the trials and tribulations of filmmaking. I know. I know. Amazing. And we also had to use software on the footage that was shot in 2004 because it wasn't shot on film. It was shot on mini DV and digital beach cam. And it looked pretty crap when you put it up against, you know, 4D and even the Super 8 and things. So, you know, there was quite a lot of technical uh, work to be done on that archive. But I think what we succeeded in doing was bringing it up to contemporary standards so it's not jarring and it doesn't feel like, you know, it's just a bit of scratchy old archive. I mean, sometimes if that's the aesthetic, I think that works wonderfully. So I'm not against that, but in terms of this film, with the having, you know, the idea of flow, we really needed it to to, to stand uh, with equal weight with the stunning kind of, you know, the, the artwork and the landscape because otherwise it was just going to look like the poor cousin visually. Which was well, yeah, it worked really well. Um, to finish off, how was um, Archie's response to this film? Um, he was very emotional. He saw early cuts, of course, and then he made some suggestions. Very, I mean, you know, Archie doesn't like talking much. He much prefers singing and performing. And he's also, he's just very quiet in terms of, he doesn't say much, but when he does say something, it's impactful and important and you listen. Um, he was very emotional. I mean, he was teary and, I mean, he cried. And um, a lot of that, I think had to do with seeing Ruby and seeing them together. I mean, I think the grief is still very alive in him. Um, it's that wound is not, it hasn't healed completely. Uh, why would it? Um, you know, it's a loss he lives with. And I think, I think it's been difficult for him. I mean, I think he's very, he likes the film. He's very happy with it. He's very supportive of it, but, I don't know it's something he wants to revisit many times because it's too painful. Well, I suppose that means that it is as entirely successful as you were hoping it to be. And I must admit, I agree. It was really worth going to see this film. Thank you, Annie. That's very kind. And thank you for asking such great questions. Thanks for talking to me. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. That's it for Showreel this week. Just to remind you of the free screening at Fed Square tonight, that's Thursday the 17th of March, National Close the Gap Day of the film Take Heart, Deadly Heart. Now, it's an important film, sequel to Take Heart, the quest to rid Australasia from rheumatic heart disease, which came out in 2016. These two films spotlight a health crisis that has been eliminated in other developed countries but continues to burden the most vulnerable in Australia. I will put the link on the podcast for other upcoming public screenings and you can also uh, 
do some screenings of your own if you go to the Take Heart Deadly Heart website. Until next week, stay safe. A like a river You only read Watch your soul I hope it's good What you give her In return For what you grow Oh, I'm going down Down the river today I'm jumping in the water, wash my sins away, and I'll into a story from long ago. Well, I'm jumping in the water, wash my soul in the river's flow. Ah, people moving like a river on its way. And we're sorry All that you give her Did not but tears and misery Oh, I'm going down Down the river today I'm jumping in the water Wash my sins away I'll into a story from long ago But I'm jumping in the water Wash my soul in the river's flow I better be careful What we give her Cause it's just like society For if there's a hope Hope for the river You know there's hope For you and me
to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.